You're listening to Life in the A-Zone podcast. I'm Peggy Sweeney McDonald, and these are my stories of moving back to my hometown in Louisiana after 36 years to live with my father and mother after she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. It's been a tough journey, but through the hard times, I found the strength to keep moving forward and find those precious moments of grace. Writing my stories of love, laughter, life, and loss in the A-Zone has helped me to grieve and heal. I'm honored to share them with you. Thank you for listening today. He stands in stillness alone in the early morning mist on a log hidden beneath the murky water in the lake, as if balancing on top of the water. I imagine him walking across the water to his special spot as king of the lake. He has been here every day for over a week, or at least every time I walk by. He stands with pride and doesn't move. I stop on the footbridge that crosses the dam and I watch my friend a beautiful white heron. He watches me back. Give me your strength and grace, I whisper. It has rained the night before, so water is rushing under the bridge and down the concrete slope of the dam into the swampy Amit River below. It sounds like a waterfall and is music to my ears in the silence of the morning. There are homes all around the lake, but this morning it is quiet, No leaf blowers, no voices, and no other walkers. I'm the only one on the path at the south end of the lake at White Oak and grateful for this time alone. The sun shines on the lake, glistening like a million diamonds bobbing in the sunlight. Be still, my soul, I think. I take a deep breath and pray, God, let me take this beauty and serenity through the rest of my day, my week, my month, my life. I turn and walk off the bridge, putting one foot in front of the other. Stay in the moment, I think, and I put my hand over my heart and breathe. This simple gesture grounds me. At this moment, I am okay. Later that evening, I Google the spiritual meaning of the white heron. It means wild, unspoiled, the beauty of nature, purity, and patience. I take this as a sign and claim my white heron as my new spirit animal. These days, I look for signs everywhere. These signs are crumbs of life to show me the way. Like the white heron, I long to feel the wildness, unspoiled beauty of nature in my heart as I struggle with our new normal. Life in Baton Rouge with my mom's Alzheimer's battle. Life in the A-Zone. We are in the trenches, my dad and me. Jimmy stands in the inner circle, and my sister stand outside the circle doing what they can to help. It's interesting how each of us reacts differently. All of us have some level of denial that chips away at different speeds. Dad and I are still trying to reason with her, trying to help her, and it's not working. To throw our hands up and surrender is a hard step. We can't bring ourselves to do that just yet. On my early morning walks, I feel one with nature, connected to the earth. I feel peace. And by the time I turn into our driveway, my mantra is, I can do this. This will be a good day. On bad days, I take this walk in the afternoon with tears running down my face, cursing my mom's insidious disease. 
I don't think I can take another day, and I pray for patience. I can't attempt purity of thought. Sorry, White Heron, but that is a lofty goal and way out of my reach for now. The waters rose eight months ago, two days after we arrived back in Baton Rouge, moving in temporarily with my parents, ready to start our new life in August 2016. The 500 year flood, they called it in the news. Eight months since we moved back to Baton Rouge. Eight months since we moved in with mom and dad. Eight months of watching my mom's mind slip slowly away on a daily basis. Eight months of living with my parents. We've given up the idea of getting our own place. How could we abandon my father to deal with my mother's slipping mind by himself? Mom has the mean Alzheimer's. <laughs> Jimmy's dad had the quiet Alzheimer's. I want my mom to move into the quiet Alzheimer's. Mom thinks she's fine. She hates dad. She hates her life. She hates me. She's restless and has to be entertained like a two year old. Every hour it's, What are we going to do now? It's exhausting. I want to crawl into bed and never wake up. I think she does too. After the water of the great flood of Baton Rouge finally receded, I tried to walk my 2.3 mile neighborhood routine, but the bridge over the dam at the lake had been swept away by the rushing flood waters. And the remains of the bridge were in a hundred pieces leaning against the bamboo on the side of the dam. The putrid odors rose along the sidewalk path, now covered with nasty mud. The beautiful path by the lake that I loved so much was devastated. I felt like that broken bridge. Everything I knew had been washed away, and the remnants propped up by thin reeds of bamboo ready to snap at any moment. I wondered, Could I be built anew? I didn't think so. I felt pieces of myself dissolving every day. It would take some time to sort it all out and figure out my next steps. As I looked at the broken bridge back then, I had no choice but to turn and walk the other way. Just walking around the neighborhood without the lake views felt monotonous and boring. The lake that brought me so much joy and comfort was in limbo. But I knew it would come back to life as nature nudged it slowly and surely. It gave me hope. The bridge is back, Dad announced two months later as I fixed dinner. He had sweet talked Mom into taking a walk that afternoon, which is rare. They discovered the bridge had been rebuilt. I couldn't wait to see it. The next morning I woke up early and practically skipped to the lake path. As the path turned, I could see the brand new footbridge. Beckoning me to my old walking routine, cross the large footbridge over the dam, past the swing sets and slides at the park, through the neighborhood to the next path that leads across the smaller bridge across the lake to North Shore Drive and home. I was elated and did a victory dance across the bridge, shouting, Woohoo! The lake is a gift and the walks are like a meditation to me. It clears my head and wakes me up. My body feels so heavy these days. The comfort eating I have been doing has made me feel like crap. I can't stop with the nightly sweets and wake up with sugar hangovers. My weight is creeping up slowly and surely. I can barely look at myself in the mirror, and when I catch a glimpse of my body after I get out of the shower, I just want to cry. 
Three years before in Los Angeles, I had lost a bunch of weight and was so proud of myself. Now, sadly, I'm pulling out larger sizes from my closet. But when I'm walking the lake, I feel fit, free, and light on my feet. The elephant is not sitting on my chest. I finish my routine by going to our back deck and stretch on the railing. The morning sun pours through the huge oak trees in the backyard, and I lift my eyes, basking in the warmth. I feel gratitude soaking through my skin, seeping into my heart. A few days later, I see my white hair and friend again, standing in the same spot. He is staring into the water, and then suddenly he ducks his head into the water and comes up with a fish. He stands and eats it as I watch him. Okay, I get it, White Heron. Stand and be still. Just be right now. You don't have to figure it out today, Peggy. Just be. Then, just like that, my heron takes flight. His giant wings crossing right in front of me over the bridge, then circling back around across the lake. More than flying, he is soaring easily, freely, gracefully. I feel promise and blessings from my beautiful white heron, my newly claimed spirit animal. I'm back to my routine, walking several times a week. I miss my walking buddies in L.A. I really need a Baton Rouge walking buddy, a new friend to walk through this tough life with me. Our neighbors, Alice and Bobby, live across the street. They have a crawfish boil every April. My parents have always been invited. Over the years when I visited Mom and Dad, I've noticed the invitations on the counter. Clever, creative, the crawfish extravaganza, they call it. Every year there's a fun theme. I've never met Alice and Bobby, but my friend Vonda came to visit us recently and pointed out their house. My friend Alice lives there. She has a great crawfish boil every year. You should go next time, she said. Oh, I would love to go, I tell her. When Dad brings in the crawfish extravaganza invitation from the mailbox in mid-April, I announce, I want to go to the crawfish bowl this year. I meant it. But two weeks later, it's time for the crawfish extravaganza, and I stand frozen at our bedroom window on the second floor, looking out across the street, wondering if I should go. Vonda has already texted me to see if she can park in our driveway for the crawfish bowl, as the cars are usually lined up down the street. I haven't been in the mood to meet new people. These days, we socialize with family and old friends, but I find it exhausting. Underneath my smile, I feel like a fraud. The minute we step back into the house, reality hits. We can't escape the big A. It's always there, every minute of the day. I watch cars driving around the circle looking for a spot to park. There are cars lying down the street. I see people walking with covered dishes, cases of beer, bottles of wine. I walk outside to get the mail, and I hear live music from the backyard. I hear people laughing and smell crawfish boiling. My mouth waters as I see a Cajun crawfish boil truck parked in their driveway with a giant pot over a gas flame. That's it. I'm going to the crawfish extravaganza. I need to have some fun. I say out loud to myself, as if making the declaration will seal the deal. Jimmy is golfing, and my parents are with one of my sisters today. 
I look in my closet and I pick out a cute blue and white printed top and white shorts. I slather on sunscreen and put some red lipstick on, throw on some cute sandals, grab a straw hat, and head out the door. I march across the street and knock on the front door. Nobody answers. I knock again. I can see through the window panels of the front door. There's a huge crowd in the backyard. I timidly open the door and step through into a beautiful living room. I can see the formal dining room to the left, with a table piled high with desserts. Is Alice here? I ask a woman standing cleaning a big pot in the kitchen sink. She's right out there in the red shirt. She says, pointing out Alice to me. I walk out the back door to meet my new friend Alice. Hi, Alice. I'm Peggy. My parents are your neighbors, Miles and Sherry, across the street. They couldn't be here today, but I wanted to come and meet you. I'm so glad you came, Alice says. She's a beautiful Southern hostess and welcomes me with a big smile. She introduces me to her beautiful daughter Trisha and adorable granddaughters Izzy and Maddie. Who sit on the side of the pool with their legs in the water? I notice a giant blown-up crawfish floating in the pool as Alice directs me to the boiled crawfish on the other side of the pool. I see portions of hot boiled crawfish with corn on the cob and red potatoes being scooped out and emptied into large aluminum buckets, then placed on tables with red and white checkered tablecloths. Topped with pretty sunflowers in vases under tents, set up in the backyard, I head over to one of the tables, sit down, and dig in. I begin to peel crawfish, and they are hot, juicy, and simply delicious. Hi, I'm Peggy. I live across the street. It's my first crawfish bowl of the season. I say to the people sitting at the table as I pop piping hot crawfish tails into my mouth. The juices of the crawfish drip down my arms to my elbows, and I'm grateful I wore a sleeveless shirt. After a few minutes, I have about six crumpled paper towels surrounding my pile of empty crawfish shells. My nose starts running, and my mouth burns from the Cajun spices. I chug from a can of ice-cold, delicious Barks root beer. How do y'all know Alice and Bobby? I ask the couple sitting at the table with me. They fill me in on their friendship history and how many years they've been coming to the crawfish extravaganza. <laughs> One couple met them on a music cruise and drove over from Florida yesterday. I meet our lovely neighbors Pete and Karen, who live next door to Alice and Bobby. We know your lovely parents, Peggy. There's more food on the other side of the pool. Bobby does all the cooking. He's an excellent Cajun chef. Karen informs me. Don't miss the homemade chocolate cake my wife has made on the dessert table. Pete entices me. I walk over to the buffet line and find crawfish stew, crawfish étouffée, lima beans with bacon and sausage, and Bobby's special salad with boiled shrimp. Then I see two guys charbroiling oysters on a grill. The oysters are drenched in garlic and lemon and butter with Parmesan cheese melting on top. The oysters smell delicious and have my name on them. <laughs> I get in line for the mouth-watering oysters and finally get to meet Bobby. He's right out of the bayou, complete with a Cajun accent, charming and fun. I snap a picture of the oysters with my cell phone. Come meet me at the crawfish boil. 
Amazing! I text Jimmy, attaching the oyster photo. Wow, charbroiled oysters! Really? Can I come in my golf shirt, or do I need to take a shower? He texts back. It's a crawfish boil, so just throw on some deodorant. I text, noticing a beautiful woman by the pool who looks familiar. I walk over and introduce myself. Her name is Maxine, and we realize we've met each other briefly at a Blues Foundation event a few months ago. She is animated, powerful, and has a spiritual presence. Within minutes, we discover we have the same birthday, July twenty-first. <laughs> We're birthday twins. We have an instant connection, as if we've known each other for years. Let's have brunch and celebrate our birthdays together in July, Peggy. We exchange cell phone numbers, and in my heart, I know we will become fast friends. My friend Vonda arrives just as Jimmy walks across the street. They come through the back door together, laughing. Vonda is a ball of Brazilian fire, and we adore her fun energy and fabulous accent. Several bands play great Louisiana music throughout the day in the beautiful backyard, and we dance on the patio next to the pool. Their home is on the lake, so Jimmy and I walk down to their dock and sit. He lights up a cigar. It's a beautiful spring day, and the lake sparkles. It's heavenly. There's nothing better than a Louisiana crawfish boil to bring friends together and meet new friends. We are happy, and I realize I haven't thought about my mom all afternoon. Thanks for having us. This was wonderful. I say, hugging Alice as we leave later that evening. I've been here since two o'clock, and it's now seven p.m. Five fantastic hours of Louisiana festive fun. Just what the doctor ordered. Alice, would you like to go walking with me sometime? I'm looking for a walking buddy. I would love to go walking with you, Peggy. Alice says to me, and we exchange cell phone numbers. I walk across the street, giddy as I have found my walking buddy. Soon we're texting each other early in the morning and meeting at the circle in front of our homes. As we walk around the lake, we get to know each other. Bobby and Alice have a huge social life and invite us to attend an LSU game with their extra tickets and to go dancing at a local bar. They have a fabulous dinner party one night with a band made up of Bobby and his friends. They invite us to join and include my parents. Mom loves music. She claps and sings along with the band. They know she has Alzheimer's, and they take turns talking to her and bringing her food and drinks. She is smiling and feels like the queen of the party. These are the nicest people, Jimmy whispers to me. Yes, I feel blessed. I'm so glad we came, Dad says to me as he eats another bowl of Bobby's delicious gumbo. Alice brings Dad another glass of wine, and Bobby grabs Mom and dances the jitterbug with her right there in the living room. She loves every minute of it. For that moment, she's alive and vibrant. We finally say goodbye and walk across the street. I'm surprised it's 11 p.m. and my parents stayed the entire time. I thought y'all would have left hours ago. I tease my parents. Well, your mom was having so much fun. I didn't want to be the party pooper, and besides, it's not like we had to drive across town. Dad says. Have you seen Big Blue? Alice asks me one morning. He's a blue heron and has been on our back deck. No, I've never seen him. I can't wait to see Big Blue. 
A week later, as we cross the bridge on the other side of the lake, there he is, standing on a log in the water with several turtles. He's beautiful and stands strong and proud. We shuffle quietly to the middle of the bridge to watch him. Even when I snap a picture with my cell phone, he doesn't notice us. We sneak away, feeling blessed to have seen Big Blue. I realize later how special that moment was to have Alice share Big Blue with me. And Alice, I have found a true friend. I look up the spiritual meaning of a blue heron later that night. The blue heron means an ability to progress and evolve. Blue herons have the innate wisdom of being able to maneuver through life and co-create their own circumstances. Am I progressing? Am I evolving? I asked Jimmy after telling him about the blue heron and the spiritual meaning. I think I'm maneuvering the best I can in the A-zone. And I put it out to the universe to find a walking buddy, and it happened with Alice. I'm proud of you, Jimmy says to me. I'm really impressed how great you're doing with your mom. You're a good daughter, and I know your dad appreciates us being here. Dad and I convince Mom to walk out to the lake one evening. The weather is beautiful, and I know the fresh air will do all of us good. We sit on a park bench next to the lake and watch a gaggle of Canadian geese waddle down the path to the lake. The six baby geese are adorable. Look how precious, Mom says as we watch them swim away. Adorable, Mom. Let's go swing on the swings. Really? Yes, Mom, it'll be fun. She laughs as I grab her hands and pull her up from the bench and we walk to the swing set. We sit on the swings and soon we're swinging up in the air. Dad walks over and stands watching us with a big smile on his face. We giggle like two little girls and for about ten minutes, I forget about her Alzheimer's. It's my old mom back and she is so much fun. I'm taken back to the time when I was five years old and we would pile into a station wagon with the Jackson family to go on a picnic at a local park. We would run to the swings as Mom and Aunt Margaret spread a tablecloth on the picnic tables, unpacking bologna sandwiches and potato chips, pouring red Kool-Aid into Dixie cups from a plastic thermos. Life was simple, carefree, and full of promise. We would try to see who could swing highest, and I imagined that one day when I got older, I would flip around the top. After lunch, we scampered up the steps of the giant grandstand, and I would pretend it was a big stage and dance around like I was performing in a show. I'm ready to go home now, Mom says, as she stops swinging suddenly and steps off her swing. As we walk back, I ask them to sit on the bench again, and I stand behind taking their pictures with the lake in the background. Look at each other and act like you love each other, I say, laughing and snapping away. Now kiss each other, and they kiss giggling like high school kids. The pictures of them are beautiful as the sun is setting and the lighting is spectacular. They walk in front of me holding hands down the path back home, and I post the pictures on Facebook and Instagram with hashtag true love as we walk in the back door. 
Back home, Dad pours a glass of wine for himself and iced tea for Mom, and they head to the living room to watch the local news. I begin to throw a simple dinner together, a deli-roasted chicken, a bag of salad, and baby carrots to steam. I chop a tomato, avocado, and cucumber to add to the salad. I place some rolls in the oven and put butter on the table. I prepare all the meals now, but I love doing it. Jimmy has kitchen cleanup duties. We have settled into our evening routine. While I'm waiting for the chicken to warm, I pick up my iPhone and Google Canadian geese spiritual meaning. It means bravery. Loyalty does not leave one of its kind behind. These simple words were the shot in the arm I need. More crumbs of wisdom to lead the way. The white heron, the blue heron, and the Canadian geese have all taught me the lessons of the lake. The gifts of being here for mom and dad. At times, I may have to stand still and then hopelessly stick my head in the water grasping for a clue. Other times, I may have to waddle on the sidelines or just let go and let the current take me where it will. Maybe one day... Maybe I will fly again, but the lesson for today, for now, is to just keep moving forward. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Peggy Sweeney McDonald, and each week I will be sharing my stories of life in the A-Zone. My hope is for you to find courage, strength, and grace as you navigate your caretaking journey with your parents, spouse, or family members. New episodes will post each Wednesday. Follow me at Life in the A-Zone on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out my best-selling book, Meanwhile Back at Cafe Dumont, Life Stories About Food, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Pelican Publishing.